Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Then a couple of agents reached out to me and I hadn't considered doing traditional publish because I, again, as not, I, <laughs> I wasn't trying to become a traditionally published author. Um, and I said, well, I, I, I guess I released it self-published and it worked well. Uh, when am I ever going to have an opportunity to see it both ways for the exact same book? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Siege of Treblin, and I'm joined by my fellow writer, Dirk Ashton. Hello, everybody. I'm Dirk Ashton, author of the Paternus Trilogy. And we are joined once again by the audiobook narrator and author, Travis Baldry. Travis, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. So last week, we talked a bit about your audiobook uh, kind of narrating career. And this week, I wanted to talk more about your actual book. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, literature and lattes? Sorry, not literature. Uh, so, uh, literature. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be, right? I was that, thinking that's about something else. Yeah. Sorry um, about that. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's what, that's the, uh, that's Scrivener. What is it? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I think, my that I think I was thinking about um, Scrivener the other day, so I was like, yes, sorry about that. That's, uh, it'll, it'll interlock. That's amazing. Um, Legends <laughs> of Lattes is basically a cozy that's fantasy um, about a orc barbarian who retires from adventuring in her 40s and decides to open a coffee shop in a city that doesn't know what coffee is. Um, and so it's basically kind of chill slice of life. Um, when I was first thinking about doing it, I described it as a Hallmark movie set in the Forgotten Realms. Um, and Ooh. I thought it was going to be funnier than it was. And then it ended up being really <laughs> earnest. Um, <laughs> So that's what it is. Now, did you know too. what cozy fantasy was when you wrote this? I hadn't a clue what it was. Um, yeah. I feel like the moniker has floated around a little bit, um, but I think it's been popular, popularized over the last year. Yes. Um, I think yeah. there's a lot of books that intersect with that. Um, uh, T. King Fisher writes a lot of stuff like that. Paladin's Grace, Sword Heart. Um, uh, I, I think Terry Pratchett is basically cozy fantasy. People talk about cozy fantasy and Terry Pratchett writes fantasy cozy books. Fantasy. Really, they aren't about yeah, it's saving brilliant. the world or battle or anything else. They're about real is human brilliant. issues yeah. or societal issues with characters that you like to be around um, yeah. with a very kind of quintessentially British wit. Yeah. Um, so awesome. I, uh, Diana Wynne-Jones, I mean, Howl's Moving Castle is kind of cozy fantasy. Studio Ghibli movies, kind of cozy fantasy. So I feel like it exists but I think people are mostly just really looking for it right now because COVID and like the mm. world just as in a general. Office. Yeah, now, that's fair. Um, <laughs> How would you define with, cozy fantasy? Yeah. Um, oh, obviously, I think it's going to have to have some sort of, uh, you know, speculative fiction element. I, I mean, I think you could have cozy fantasy in sci-fi, honestly. But in general, I think it's something that's ultimately comforting and that's human-centered. Um, uh, and at the end of the day, you feel good after you read it. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's like a chicken soup book, right? Yeah. You almost you, you almost say it right in the in the title. I'm looking at Legends and Lattes on Amazon right now. Legends and Lattes, a novel of high fantasy and low stakes. 
Yeah, which you, is you can have some yeah. stress, but it's not going to be. It's yeah. more personal. Yeah, more personal kinds of frictions mm. and dramas. There's Rather no like blood. Big world it's not bloody. Sort of there's violence. not ho- like yeah. horror elements. It's and like anything, I'm sure you can. I mean, it's you can fit whatever you want into it that you want to fit into it. That's the great thing about books is that there's not any real hard and fast rules. But I think it's like if you talk about a romance, you generally talk about the fact that it pretty pretty much needs an HEA. It needs a happily ever after, right? That's like mm. a kind of a defining feature of romance. And I I would hazard to say that cozy fantasy probably just needs you to feel good at the end. And that, you know, that it it's it feels personal. Mm. It cares more about people than it does about events. Yes. I like the fact that you say that Pratchett's books fall into that category. Because now that you say that, I'm like, yes, every time I finish Absolutely. a Discworld book, I feel great at the end. Like, I feel comforted. Right. I feel yes. warm. And his characters. Yeah, yeah that's I, right. I love Death. Death is like the best freaking character. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, and, and they're all, they, it's obvious that Terry Pratchett is really optimistic about human beings. I think mm. maybe that's another core component. There's like an optimism, optimism. about humanity and about people and their relationships and that ultimately things can get better, right? Yes. It's just this basic humaneness to it. And I think everything Terry Pratchett writes is that way. It's ultimately really humane. Yeah. yeah. No, that's actually and, a really good way of looking at it. I, yeah. That's given me a new appreciation for, for Discworld, actually. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, cozy, the great. word cozy so comes from like uh, cozy mysteries, right? Cozy. Yeah. Um, even because they're taking like a mystery and they're scaling it back to this very personal level. Mm, And there's a lot of these trappings that there's the trappings that make you feel good. Like the chicken soup element, like, yeah, you know, they're trading recipes or we've got quilting or or whatever. There's something small scale that you can still be invested in, you know, but it's, it's, it's very, very personal. Mm. What, what, what kind of excites me and really interests me a lot about legends and lattes is that um you uh self-published this originally yeah um and when did it come out uh february 22nd this year uh, this year 22 of this year right yeah and it became such a sensation right away and a lot of that i i'm sure comes from you have a lot of fans as a narrator Right. Actually, I don't think so at all. No, you don't think that no. they ran in? I think there's how, very how? limited crossover because most of the people who found the book had no idea who the hell I was. Oh, really? That's, That's awesome. the plainest idea. But it became, um, a, it became a huge hit right away, and people were looking for these kinds of things. And um, if you look at, like, the, uh, like the uh, gas lap fantasy, uh, romantic yep. fantasy, there's no cozy fantasy um so people were obviously looking for those kinds of things found your book and then word of mouth spread and it became kind of an overnight sensation to be honest um yeah you may not i, I mean we like to say we oh an overnight sensation after years of hard work to write the goddamn <laughs> thing right and coming up with a decent idea and and getting it out there and doing all the cover work and everything else but still this was a pretty short period of time. I wrote this for National Novel Writing Month last and, year. So oh, cool. there was about, okay. what, November, December, January, February. So it was a little under, it was under three months from finishing it to releasing wow. it. And it was a month to write it. Okay. Um, wow, that it, was very inspiring. It took longer to do the paperwork with Tor. How um, long had you been thinking about wanting to do something like this, though? 
Um, so I did National Novel Writing Month unsuccessfully for years prior. Okay. This was the first year I outlined one. And a friend of mine, Aiden Shore, uh, who's another narrator, convinced me to do it last year. And so a month or two before, I was like, okay, sure. And I wrote up an outline and then did it. So it was a relatively compressed period of time. Sure. Um, I just so. pre-ordered the paperback, by the way. Aw. Oh, well, there we go. Now. We made a sale live on air. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, um, now, one thing. So it became this kind of sensation, and it caught the, wor- caught the eye of Tor very quickly. And so it went through by an agent June, first, actually. By Ju- What's that? It actually went through an agent first, weirdly. So the agents reached out to me, hmm. not Tor. Okay, wow, that's so very I rare. did. But then, but things happened very quickly. An agent reached out to you. They pitched it to Tor and whoever. Mm -hmm. And by June of this year, you were released it in February. By June of this year, you had um, Tor had put out. It had been put out again under Tor. Yeah. Um, And you have, and people who are listening who are authors know. Over 7,000 ratings on Amazon. And that's just like unbelievably phenomenal. Um, a good friend of mine, Quinby Olson, wrote a cozy fantasy called Miss Percy's Pocket Guide to the Care and Feeding of British Dragons. Um, and it's done really, really well, better than any of her books. She uh, just released it. Uh, just under a year ago, and it's got 627 ratings, which is very good. Paternus, which came out in 2016, still doesn't have anywhere near that many. It has over 500, but it doesn't have that many. Um, and people consider Paternus a fairly successful book. Um, so to give an example, Cozy is, is, is kind of a big deal, but yours has over 10 times that amount in mm. half the in half the amount of time which is pretty impressive so i know you won't blow your own horn so i'm going to blow it for you <laughs> tell us more about um yeah so like that initial kind of first couple of months after it came out and then that experience of the agent reaching out to you and how things kind of progressed from there i'd love to hear some more about that story sure um so i was preparing to release it I got my final cover art, and about three weeks before my planned release date, I posted it on Twitter. And then Sean and McGuire, like, retweeted it and said, oh, this looks really cool. And all of a sudden, a lot of people were interested in it. That, wow. Yeah. Again, these are people that, I, that had no idea who the hell I was. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I said, well, I guess I better turn the pre-order on. So I did that. Um, and the pre-orders were really good. Um, and then it released. And again, it's, it's all doing... I I only released this to learn how the process works because I work with authors all the time. I just wanted to do it because I mm-hmm. like to learn stuff. So and you work with I a just lot wanted of to pay for my cover art. You work with a lot of self-pub authors. <laughs> I, lo- I work with tons of self-pub authors and small press authors. So mm-hmm. I, just, I just wanted to see the other side of it. Um, so this is all very surprising to me. The launch went really well. Um, Sean actually then read it and said, oh, I really like this and wrote a really nice tweet thread Fantastic. about it yeah. saying nice things. And then it started to proliferate on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and what have you. And I started getting fan art. <laughs> Whoa. Fan art. I've Do you have so tattoos cool fan yet? Art. 
I do. Uh-huh. No way. It's amazing. <laughs> you it's know crazy. you've made it when fans are tattooing also, their bodies. someone built a miniature of the coffee shop. Sweet. Like an incredibly detailed miniature. Crazy. So some sculpture, sculptures, um, knitted, knitted characters. Wow. Bunkers. Bunkers. Oh really God. crazy That's stuff. Next level. Yeah. So uh, uh, then... A couple of agents reached out to me and I hadn't considered doing traditional publish because I, again, as not, I, <laughs> I wasn't trying to become a traditionally published author. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, well, I, I, I guess I released it self-published and it worked well. Uh, when am I ever going to have an opportunity to see it both ways for the exact same book Right. and do it? I mean, cause, so I guess why not? What have I got to lose? Really? Um, so I well, said yes, and I picked an and I picked hope, an agent. Hopefully, um, they gave you a nice advance. It was really nice. <laughs> um, Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good. So Stevie Finnegan is my agent with Zeno in the UK, and she took it out. And within, I think, 48 hours, Tour UK had come out with, I'm forgetting the name of the type of offer, but it's a timed one where basically they're going to give you a better offer and they want you to accept within a certain period of time so they don't get into a bidding war. Yep. And it was Tour, and I love Tour. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of the way Tour treats their books, the covers they do. They just, they care about their books and they publish things that I like. Mm. So I said, yes. Um, and then they went and did the rounds to sell the international rights and they sold them to tour us, which I was also very happy about, which means I get tour on both sides of the water. I didn't know they were different yeah. at the time, yeah. but they are, they they're all just all that. owned yeah. by Macmillan, yeah. but tour us actually has to bid for the rights to buy them from tour UK against weird? other yeah. publishers, yeah. So including bizarre. other publishers owned by Macmillan. It's very, this is a new <laughs> thing for me. So I was surprised by all of this. Yeah. Um, and then things got moving because they wanted to republish the paperbacks this year, which is a really short period of time for print. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I just pre-ordered. They were I literally getting them ready before out. the deal was signed in order to save time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so they were that confident they used, that they used your through. original cover. Um, in the U.S., it uses the original cover. In the U.K., it has a new cover. And okay. then I asked them to include the black and white of the original art on an interior frontispiece just because I like it and I like being able to look at the characters. Um, so yeah, the U.S. is using the same cover art. It has some new typography and stuff and it's, you know, Tor logo on it and other cool stuff. But yeah, um, the book is mostly the same. There's very little editorially different. There's some house style changes. I changed a couple of words, but it's basically the same book. But then I wrote a, I wrote a prequel short that also gets put into it for all the paperbacks. Nice. So they had some you know, additional thing and reason to republish the paperbacks. Yeah, they all have their own style things and, you know, where they yeah. prefer. Yeah, Oxford commas for UK. How do you do the, yeah, for, how are you using with M dashes and N dashes and exactly, exactly. how many periods are in an ellipsis that determinates yes. a sentence and that kind of stuff. So yes. you, know, you go through that pass. Yeah, that's even but hard. Mine, mine changed through each three book. <laughs> when I asked for the dash, it changed in each three, in each that's of one the approach. three books. Through each, I was going to say, um, 
two things here, which I find really interesting is first of all, this is just a really inspiring example of like, you just don't know what can happen when you like actually commit to just writing a book and putting it out there. Like we talk a lot on the show about how like a lot of authors just need to write and publish like lots and lots of books until something takes off. But like, don't let that, if you're listening to this right now and you're, you know, working on that first book and you're like, Oh, I don't know whether I should put it out or not. I think Travis's story is like a really inspiring example of how just doing something for the fun of it and just putting it out there. Like you never know where that can take you or like if that's going to tap into a particular vein or whatever. So, you know, don't like hold yourself back from that. Like just, yeah, I guess commit yeah. to, to trying these things. Cause you don't know. Yeah. And the second thing is that like, I'd love to ask what were some of the things you learned about this? Cause you mentioned that you kind of went into this process, wanting to see the other side of the fence and seeing what it was like for authors. Cause you have obviously the experience of working with them as an audiobook narrator. So you've kind of had almost the perfect vantage point for every single part of the process. Cause you've done the self-publishing, you've done the traditional publishing, you've had yeah. like, you've you know, done deals the audio in different markets, you've done the audio. Yeah. So yeah, like just kind of talk us through some of the, some of the interesting things that were maybe surprising to you or, or useful for you to learn. Um, well, I think one of the main things I learned, which is probably also a good addendum to just putting stuff out there and doing stuff because it's fun, is to always treat it like you're doing it professionally, even yes. if you aren't. Yeah. Because the only way you're going to capitalize on a lightning strike is if you tried to do it professionally. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So even though I was doing this for whatever, I still professionally edited and I still commissioned the artwork, you know, and paid to do it mm. and paid for real art and went through the real process. And did nice formatting on the ebook and on the print book. I set up an Ingram Spark print so that it could be in bookstores, even though I considered there would be no way that it would be in bookstores. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? It ended up thousands and thousands and thousands of copies in bookstores in That's Barnes weird. and Nobles all over the freaking country. Yeah. But if I hadn't done that and treated it like it could have happened, then there's no way Correct. it could have happened. Mm -hmm. So just make sure your bucket doesn't have any holes in it before you stand under the rain cloud. <laughs> Maybe it's not going to rain, but if it does, you don't want it all to leak out. Yes. Um, you want to be prepared so, for that. And that was um, before, that was before Tor, that yeah. when you were self-pub, that the, that the paperbacks were getting into bookstores. Now that's really yeah. rare, even for a successful it's super book. super rare. And but it's, it's some, not type, something I could have predicted. It must be the type of book that it is. People were going to stores and requesting it and they said, okay, we need to order a dozen of so these in. what happened was because of the social media push, which also I didn't instigate, um, a lot of this, I largely think was driven by the cover art because I think the cover art yes. was very successful. I think it very clearly establishes the tone and exactly what you're going to get out of the book. Yep. And when you pick up the book, if you look at the cover, what you get in the book is the same thing that's on the cover. It's yep. not a bait and switch. That is what it is. That's the vibes. It's clearly going to have, it's going to be relationship focused. It's clearly going to be <laughs> about a coffee shop and a vacant thing. It's clearly going to be fantasy characters. There's clearly a little bit of a sapphic romance thing going on. and. I mean, it, it is what it is. So I think the book cover sells it. And I think that made it possible to have the accidental social media thing that happened. But what happened on the bookseller front is that booksellers saw the same things and were interested in it as readers. And what you can do at Barnes & Noble, if you want to stock a book that Barnes & Noble doesn't want you to stock, because they don't usually bring in self-pub stuff. Even if you're going through Ingram and even if you have a discount and yep. even if you're allowing for, you know, destructions yep. and not returns, they still don't like to do it. But what you can do as a bookseller is order it in for yourself, cancel the order, and then it goes to stock. So you can order in copies and oh, convert them into in-store stock. And so some booksellers did that. 
and in the books wow. because they, and once the they book, sell you can get justified to order it. them yeah they read it and loved it and they wanted they other people it. to read it too they hand sold it they said yeah. hey look this book is cool you should get it and then when they sell then they can order more and when they order more the booksellers that are regional talk to each other and like hey i sold a bunch of this book uh-huh. oh well we'll order it in and so and so ordered it and they sold the copies That's so it's amazing i could watch it on the barnes and noble site where you can search for the existence of the books i could watch it expand yeah. which was really Whoa. weird and it happened yeah. over a series of weeks um and then all of a sudden the ingram spark sales went like that yep. um but i i didn't drive any of that it was all yeah. somebody else's doing and i just lucked into it i'm just i'm just here i'm just along for the ride did you but, do any advertising ams um eventually i tried putting up a i tried an ams for like two days and i turned it off i had i did put up a facebook ad which i thought maybe did something yeah. but i i just did one and you, that was yeah. it yeah um i mean that happens that happens it's hard to correlate people like me and me and jed have to like work real hard but um there are there are like uh will has never advertised um, yeah, they said they tried some early and they're like, this is ridiculous. And they never up. did it again. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, my advertising, as fast as it was, was to make the book cheap and put it on Kindle Unlimited. So I made yes. it as low as I could make it price wise, which was $2.99 before you can't do KU, I think. Right. Is that, is that what it is? I feel like it's uh, $1.99. Yeah, or no, no, that's the royalty rate. You can't go below $2.99 and below do the, the royalty rate. Yeah, it drops. So I did it as low as I could do. And and dumped it in KU because I was like, I just want people to read the thing, you know. Really, and the greatest marketing helpful. you did is probably the cover and the title. Like you've yeah. absolutely yeah. nailed what that book is going to um, yeah. be about. The cover and concept, in that packaging. and I think I lucked into timing because again, everybody's been in COVID for two years. Yeah. Everything's grim. I don't want to. Mm. I don't. I don't want to read anything grim. I don't want to watch anything grim. I just want something nice for a couple of goddamn minutes. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, I think. I just lucked into that, partially because that's what I wanted when I wrote it, because Mm. it wasn't that many months prior. It was like, boy, it would be nice if I read a lot of game lit and lit RPG and action adventure stuff. And it's always some white dude who's like 20 years old, saving the world for some epic threat. And I just wanted something that wasn't that. Not because I don't like that. That's cool. But that's mostly what's on my dance card. So Mm. I just wanted something totally different. I I want a chicken soup book. So... And then awesome. apparently other people did too. Yeah, but well, that's that's understanding. I can't. I, <laughs> I can't pretend that it was some like master plan on mine. It really is just like I just did a thing, and it really is up. It's down to a lot of other people who got out and pushed. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also obviously you've written a great book, and it, it. I think it is. Yeah. There are so many great lessons here for people listening or watching about how like, yeah, you j- just do the stuff that you find really interesting, but also do treat it professionally. Like, do get a great cover. Like, don't skimp on that stuff because. That's all part of the process. And the sooner that you can kind of view that as a fun, creative exercise in to go along yeah. with the writing of the book, the better it will be. And then, yeah, like stuff like this yeah. can happen. So yeah, just do your, do your best work, do the best cover edited. you can and do some nice <laughs> yes. professional and formatting. Well. And, and if, if your, if your first book is not the phenomenal success that surprised the <laughs> shit out of Dra- Travis and the rest of the world, um, then just keep writing. Don't, don't quit. Write keep, more books. Keep doing yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Also, it is a rare... I'm going to throw one more thing in here. Yeah. Read yeah, your go book out it. loud to yourself. Read your book out loud to yourself. Yep. Because the amount that you will learn about what you do and do not want in your book 
will be mm. very, very high. Yeah. It's very easy to skim things that you innately understand, but when you have to verbalize them, it really clarifies for you what belongs in my book. Yes. Right. <laughs> I've found yeah. that painfully true from my own experience as well. So <laughs> I think that's a great tip. <laughs> yes. um, awesome. So yeah, the book is not literature and lattes. It is legends and lattes uh, by Travis Baldry. So go ahead and check that out. Available everywhere. And the paperback is up for pre-order now. Yeah. The paperbacks come out November 8th and the hardbacks in the UK, November 10th. And then there will be, I guess, eight or some odd languages slowly trickling out over the following year. Awesome. That is wicked. Will they get you to do the audiobook narration in other languages? <laughs> Just like... Oh, God, to... I hope not. <laughs> that would be really awkward. <laughs> that would be really awkward. That would be fun. I love that. All right. Well, oh. Travis, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, um, really appreciate awesome. your time. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed watching or listening to this episode. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, Travis. Good night. Thank you for listening or watching to this episode of Wizards, Warriors and Words. If you like what we're doing here and you would help, like to help support the show, please go to patreon.com forward slash Wizards, Warriors and Words. And for a monthly subscription, you can get access to bonus episodes that you can't find anywhere else. Currently, we have five bonus episodes up there and we're going to be adding more in the future. So you can check that out. The link is down below if you would like to have a look. And a special thanks to our high tier patrons, Talon, Daniel and Lewis. Thank you for helping support the show. We'll see you next week. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.